Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. All right. I am here today with Jen Farone and Joe Becker from Nine Spoons Soup. Joe, Jen, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Really excited to have you guys on here. Thanks for having us. We appreciate the invitation. So I know you guys a little bit and I know your business, but for everyone who is listening, talk to us about what your business is and who exactly it is for. So as you mentioned, we are a soup business and we make small batch handcrafted soups in Cleveland, Ohio. And what is unique about ours is that they are available frozen, Mm -hmm. which is not what you typically find. So we tend to have a longer shelf life and they're super easy and convenient to just thaw, heat and serve. And our products are for primarily busy families. We know that people are really, really busy these days, even more so than before. So we make something that is nutritious and wholesome and hearty for people that are on the go. They can simply take it out of the freezer, put it on the stove for a few minutes, and dinner's ready. Love it. What I love about what you offer when you talk about like wholesome and it's for families is that families are so busy and you can't rush through a bowl of soup or it's going to be a little painful. (laughs) So this allows people to like sit down and come together, which I really love. And now you guys could have done, you guys could have done any product out there. You guys could have done any business. Why'd you start a soup company? Well, we have an interesting history that led us to this particular industry and these products. And just to keep the story short, I was a sibling of nine in a family that my mom and dad raised in the late 50s, 60s, and 70s. And my mom was somewhat of an artist in providing different meals that would not only fill a family of nine, but also would stay with us. And um, obviously, along the way, she would look for ways to provide food without a huge cost. So with the nine of us, uh, there were a variety of different meals that we got used to receiving. Different nights were different types of meals. But one of the most popular meals within the family and all nine kids was our mother's wedding suit. It was a um, creation of love. It uh, was an incredible suit that took two days to make. And you can imagine the size of the pots that she would have to make the soup for nine kids and two adults. Always popular, uh, and uh, that popularity extended as the siblings went out on their own or uh, started their own families and still had this unique taste for our wedding soup, which was what my mom made. So for a long time, as the family would get together for special occasions, my mom would serve the wedding soup. 
until it got to be too much work with not only her children, but the grandchildren. But the concept uh, developed because nearly everyone in the family at one time or another wondered, gee, I wonder if others get this type of wedding soup. And I wonder if they would enjoy it as much as we do. And those thoughts were bantered around for years among the siblings. Eventually, we thought, you know, we've talked about it for 20 years. Um, I wonder if we could actually start with a wedding soup, develop it, and see if we could market it. And beyond that, obviously, develop some additional soup recipes so that we would have more than one soup, but certainly the um, signature soup would be the wedding soup. And we started that way. And basically, Jen and I, it was Jen's idea to do this. So, you know, remember that when I get angry and, and, <laughs> and I start to have problems with describing what's happened. But uh, all joking aside, she got it started. She has continued to have this um, passion for, for not only the business, but for making our business grow. So I guess the thing I want to say is that the, the test was first to see whether the wedding soup had any appeal at all. And we did that initially through farmer's markets and flea markets, right, Jen? And all I was going to say was, is that we found out pretty quickly that that was a huge success and people did love it. Go ahead, Jen. If I could just jump in too, I think your question is really interesting because I really believe that it could have been anything that we got into as a business. <clears throat> Call it a blessing or a curse. I don't know. I was, I was born with the entrepreneurial gene, thanks to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> They have had several businesses while my dad worked full time in the banking industry and my mom raised the family. They did a variety of things and put themselves out there with some businesses. So I sort of got caught up in that and knew that I always wanted to do something. I just didn't know what it was. And it just so happened that I was ready to quit my career. And we were talking about this recipe and it literally started over dinner one night. Hmm. So that's kind of how, how it began. I love that because it's something that, first of all, a recipe that pleases nine children <laughs> is a really tough thing to do. I mean, sure. I know, I mean, it's difficult for parents to please one child, let yeah. alone nine of them with a single recipe. And the fact that this is, actually been something toyed around with like for 20 years and then for you to take it and bring it to life and now be able to bring it into people's homes. I can just imagine how, you know, proud grandmother must be about having this out there and allowing it to impact everyone's meals that gets to enjoy it. <laughs> She's thinking somewhere, wherever she is, <clears throat> that she's very proud or that we are crazy. <laughs> a little of both, probably. <laughs> probably a little bit of both, but that probably. is the joy of the entrepreneurship yeah. world is, uh, you know, you got to be a little crazy to go into it, you right? Do. You do. Basically, the popularity of the wedding soup initially, of course, that's the first soup, actually extended beyond our family at times. 
when we would announce that, you know, we all lived in very close neighborhoods back then, and we shared lots of things. But when our friends would hear that my mom was making wedding suit, they would ask if they could come to dinner. <laughs> and their mom wouldn't even know it. And she'd be looking for these kids, and here they are eating wedding soup at our house. And, uh, and so I, I, I can only imagine my mom greeting these people at the door and saying, well, you're not in my family. <laughs> it didn't matter. They were going to get fed, too. They wanted the wedding soup. It was very, very popular. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so great. I, I love that tried and true recipe that has been pleasing people for generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to, I know you guys have been in business for quite a few years now. Uh, remind me, four years? It's four, four and a half. half. Five years will be October. Got it. So we've been in market for some time. There's been highs and lows, wins and challenges. Can you share with everyone one of the moments that, you know, you would consider a really big win in the business and, you know, what that is and who do you guys think that you need to be as founders to get that big win? I think one of our biggest wins, well, now when we get to the challenges, we have a, <laughs> a list of those. But I, I think one of the biggest wins was that we were fortunate enough, and a lot of this is luck. A lot of this is just kind of muddling through things and not knowing what we're doing. We both come from very different backgrounds. We decided early on that our product would be frozen. And the only reason we decided this was because of the shelf life. Mm. And we thought that we could handle a shelf life that was 12 months versus, you know, weeks or whatever the case might be for refrigerated. And it just so happened, as you know, and a lot of your followers know, frozen foods, that category is growing exponentially these days. And we had a buyer from a, a pretty large retailer locally that sought us out. Mm. That typically doesn't happen. Usually you're pounding the pavement and trying to get in these stores and get two minutes with managers and that gets really tough. But we had the ability to pitch to this buyer and he took us on right away. And that was kind of a turning point for us because rather than delivering ourselves and taking our products to some of the smaller local stores, we had the ability to get in with a distributor and kind of open that door for us a little bit more. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, call it luck, call it foresight. The fact that you guys, yeah, are in the frozen category, you're not having to compete and they know that that there's a need in this area of the store. So I love that. That is amazing that you guys just kind of got picked up right there. They sought you out and listed you like that. What a what a great start to the next bigger pieces in the business. For sure. There are always lots of surprises along the way that you never consider when you first start a business. We have seen a lot of those, but I think the um, event that Jen is speaking of also ties into how we got that started. And it was actually by invitation to something similar to Shark Tank, although on a much larger or a much smaller scale in the Cleveland area, we were invited, as Jen said, to talk to uh, the distributor. And um, 
we actually had to go in and uh, present our product and talk about it and discuss uh, the positives and negatives of what we had to offer. It was a very, very interesting exercise that we never knew about or would have considered we had to do. Wouldn't you hmm. say, Jen? Yeah. And and yet that too was that, that went very successfully. And uh, uh, that's when we immediately heard from them that they wanted to be a part of our, our business as well. Can I ask you guys, with those situations, what do you think it was about how you showed up that made them believe in you guys as founders? Because you have a great product. People love the product. But there was obviously something else. I always say, like, the product is one piece of the ingredient, right? Absolutely. What, what do you think it was about, you know, whether it be how you presented the business, how you presented yourselves, that really made them believe in you as founders and as Nine Spoon Soups as an organization? I think, honestly, and actually this buyer shared this with us. He really connected to the story, which doing all of this reading after the fact and talking to people after the fact, we realized that that is a true, true, true selling point. He also talked about our packaging and he asked us if our logo and our design, if that was our first go around and he said, yeah, and he, he seemed to be very impressed with that. And that's one of the things that I hear often from other food producers. We worked out of a community space for a long time, an incubator. And I picked up on the fact that a lot of times people didn't want to invest the money up front in the brand. Mm. And I think that was a decision in the beginning that really paid off for us. Mm. Because I think it gets noticed. It, even some people in the industry that we've worked with our first year, they looked at the the label and the logo and they said, this could be a national brand. Mm. So we felt like that was, it's like you said, the taste, we know the taste is good. We know our product is good, but there's so many other factors that really do help to sell it. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to say what I think that shows me is that you guys had faith in it right away. It wasn't like, uh, let's see how this is mm. for right now. It'll be okay mm. for right now. You had faith in what you were doing and you came out of the gates doing something that you really believed in, which allowed your product to have the best chance possible versus doing something that's just kind of okay, okay for now. And then I'm a believer that you're not necessarily giving a brand its full potential when you're like, just okay for now versus you guys went out there with, we really believe in this. We are going with our best foot forward. And that obviously got the attention of people. And I had to quit my job. Yes. So you, it's, it's got to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of motivation, isn't it, Jen? It is. It is. <laughs> but even that right there, you believed in it. You believed right. in it enough to yeah. like, I'm going to quit my job. We're going to go all in and we're going to make this work. And I tip my hats to you both for that because it's a really tough thing to do. And honestly, it is a leap that a lot of people never never end up making in their food business. Yeah, I can honestly say that from the very beginning to today, we still have pretty much the same passion for our goals, which basically was not necessarily 
making a lot of money or having huge success financially. But from the very beginning, our focus was on our product. And are there others that would like this that have never tried it? So that remains to be, uh, I think Jen will agree, pretty much our focus. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You you put the best piece out there that you can. Success follows that, right? Yeah, as Jen mentioned earlier, with lots of challenges along the way. (laughs) So that's a great pivot. So I know that there's been challenges, as every business has you know, what's, what's one of the businesses, what's one of the challenges, rather, that you guys are working on in your business right now? I'd like to say first that, first and foremost, that achieving scale is costly. And early on, you have decisions that you can make with how you're going to finance or how you're going to supplement your new business. Our, um, our decision while not stated every day, is that we really like to try to fund this ourselves and not have to go into a lot of debt in order to get our growth. So our growth is primarily a large amount of sweat equity, demos and presentations and visits to other potential vendors, all of that, which is just hard body work but isn't as costly as, you know, trying to fund growth through, uh, uh, through loans. So th- that's the upside that we try to keep self-supportive. That we know at some point that will end. Uh, we won't be able to do that with, with any significant growth. But the other part of that is that if you try to do that that way and you try to fund it as you go, it's a slower process. And, you know, we're almost five years into this. We're very happy where we're at. And as in the first day, we're not exactly sure what might come up in the next uh, several months or year, but um, I don't think either one of us is going to deter from our our goal and continue to work the way we have worked. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's always this piece about, well, how do we get to that growth? Do we need to Mm -hmm. self-fund it? Do we need to get loans? Do we want to raise money? And I think it's great to know that you guys have been able to get it where it is right now, self-funded, and also recognize that, yeah, maybe one day it won't, we won't be able to do this anymore, but you have been able to get this far with a lot of great traction by doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, too, not to take all the time here about this on this subject, but I think an eye-opener for me, even though you know I had 35 years as a commercial banker, is that or was that while you're watching your corporate or company health and you're paying very close attention to the detail in your finances, some of your other acquaintances or associates or vendors, other types of relationships in the business world that we have, have to be watched as well. Stop and think about the situation where you might have one source for your product or a few multiple sources and one or a few of them run into a little bit of trouble. You know, then you have not only your financial discipline, but you've got to be concerned about them making it as well. It's, you know, there's a lot of interplay there, which you don't normally think, think about day in day one. Mm. Nope. <clears throat> On day one, you're just thinking about getting that product in people's homes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Jen, did you have anything to add about uh, any of the challenges you guys are currently facing? 
one of the things that I had misconceptions about was distribution. I really didn't quite understand how that worked when we went into it. My thought was, okay, I meet with a store and a buyer, they want it, we're just going to make this happen. And quickly realize that that's not the way that it works. <laughs> and getting those two pieces together so that we can actually get our product to the stores, that's been a challenge. It's been a challenge for us. It seems like there are some distributors that are more focused on local and regional, but then the bigger ones, of course, they want you to come to them with accounts already established. So it's one of those things that, you know, what comes first, the the chicken or the egg sort of thing. Yeah, that's been a little bit challenging for us, knowing that stores want our product and we can't seem to get it there. And then, of course, I also was under the impression that a lot of the distributors would do the selling for us Mm. and sell to other retailers. But it turns out that we are doing a lot of that legwork on our own. So that's a piece that I really didn't anticipate having to. I just thought you'd turn it over and everything goes smoothly. They just keep picking up more accounts for you and keep delivering for you. And unfortunately, they have thousands of items that they're Mm -hmm. trying to sell to these stores. So yeah, that distribution piece is is a big one, I think, that it's just an unknown world. It's an unknown world until you're in it. And you guys, I know, have been working to figure out the distribution piece and how to get that really working. And, And it is working. You guys are working with two distributors right now, right? Correct. And that's really great too. That goes into what you were saying at the earlier, Joe, about not putting all your eggs in one basket too, which is helpful. And I think as a growth strategy that helps you feel more confident and reduce some of that risk in all the day-to-day things that are happening. I kind of look at that part of the business as somewhat mechanical. I've got to say that the inspirational side of our business and the creative side and all of those good things that happen because of relationship building are attributable to Jen. She has been unbelievable. And uh, I think her background lends to that. I mean, you know, she's been doing this for a long time, not the soup business, but other businesses that are kind of related to what she does for us. I guess, you know, the honest uh, uh, description of our first meeting with the Shark Tank-like companies, Jen says that we presented ourselves very well. In reality, she went in and said, I'll take the care of this. You get in the car and just drive around till, till I'm done. <laughs> I said, that sounds right. I probably should do that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and then there's the challenge of working with family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. How much time do we have? <laughs> What I love about you guys as co-founders of this business, and, and I've had the pleasure, I've worked with you guys for a few months now, and what I love is that you complement each other so well. And so for anyone listening right now, if you're going to go into business with someone, family or not, find someone that complements 
you in your business and not just compliment the way Joe just gave fantastic compliments and accolades to Jen. That too is very important, but also your skill sets. You guys come to the table with very different backgrounds and skill sets. And if you're going to go into partnership with someone in business, that is really, really crucial because if everyone's just thinking the same things, then those parts of the business are going to be great and like really down packed. And there's going to be other parts of the business that don't get any attention because no one loves them and nurtures them. And you guys work so well together and you compliment each other so well. There's always ups and downs, right? Yeah, almost any day. You know, you have your great days and you have your not so great. That's a great comment. That's absolutely true. It's true. It is true. The financial (laughs) end of the business is definitely not my strong suit. And yeah, I'm grateful that my dad is there to pick up that piece for sure. So I, I agree. I agree. Surrounding yourself, whether it's family or whether it's other talent around, having people around you that have skills that you don't have is super, super important. Yeah, as, as an example, Ainsley, Jen will call me and say, Dad, now that number eight, is that a numerator or a denominator? <laughs> and I'll say, just don't worry about it. And then she'll say to me, well, you know, it's gluten-free. And I'll say, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> so we do. We do work together well, and it's uh, very complimentary. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. For anyone listening right now, I know they've got a ton of gems already from this, but if you had a piece of advice for someone who's maybe in that like year one or maybe even just getting started thinking about it, what advice do you have for someone who is at the beginning stages of launching a packaged food or beverage company? A couple things come to mind. Something that I've been pretty conscious about doing. Definitely surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and supportive. And it doesn't necessarily have to be food business. I do have a group of people that I meet. I'll have coffee with them regularly and just kind of brainstorm. You'd be surprised at how many ideas I get from other people who are in the food business or not in the food business. It's just, you know, having a fresh set of eyes, I think, and somebody to bounce ideas off of. That's been really helpful for me. Another thing that I think this is something I really struggled with. And honestly, until we started working with you, Ainsley, I didn't have all of this worked out. In the beginning, we worked in a commercial space and there were lots of food producers there. I think we were in a space with maybe 50 So you see lots of people, they come and go, there's lots of advice, lots of conversation. And I think I got kind of wrapped up in a lot of that. And I had a really hard time defining who we are Mm. as a brand. And I think, you know, with all the trends that are happening, I mean, you know, gluten-free and vegan and this and that, and all this stuff going on, it seemed to be that there were a lot of products that fit those categories. And I would often think, well, why aren't we doing that? Or should we be doing this? And I think it sort of took me off track a little bit. And it wasn't until we started working with you that I've become fully comfortable with our product. Like I I feel like I know now who we are. We are Mm -hmm. nostalgia. We are comfort food and 
we have a consumer that wants that. I'd so like I think to tag kind of on to that, Jen. your own path is basically yeah. what it boils down to and, and knowing who you are as a brand. Yeah, and, and tagging on to that real quickly. If, for example, we were to raise funds for our project, Jen and I, while we know the direction we want to go, would be hard-pressed to define one or two things. Anytime we would talk about raising funds rather than funding ourselves, we'd say, well, where should this money go? And, and quite honestly, in a growing business like ours, it could go eight different places. So when we started to talk to you, I think both of us got a real good sense that, hey, we're starting to get some direction here which is what we're looking for in the first place. So kudos to you for helping us with that. And we know that we'll continue with that. But I I mean, I think small businesses that are on their path really have to do this once in a while. Either sit down amongst themselves and say, let's identify two things we need to do, not eight. And um, if uh, they have the ability to work with someone like you, that's even better because you just get better direction. So, yeah, we're very appreciative of our relationship with you and the others that Jen has developed with our company. Thank you both for saying that. That means so much to me. I, as you know, from our time together, I I just love helping emerging brands and working with founders like you who are so dedicated to getting your product out there. So thank you for sharing that. That means a lot. It means a lot to me for sure. You're welcome. All right, final question. And you can have as much fun with this as you want. What does nine spoons soup pair perfectly with? I know. Well, my first, Jen knows what my first. I know what you're going to say. So go ahead and say it. Go ahead. Bread and butter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Just, uh, and of course, with uh, with the the, uh, tomato bisque, you know, always think of grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. So, Jen, what, what are you thinking? Oh, well, I, cold Cleveland days, of course, <laughs> which seems to happen about 10 months out of the year. <laughs> and definitely bread and butter. Definitely bread and butter. Yeah. My grandmother used to make her own bread, too. So, Oh, my gosh. Amazing. You guys are spoiled. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have no idea. She was amazing. <laughs> the only downside, Ainsley, with our bread that my mom made was the bread looked like a concrete block. <laughs> so, you know, she would pack our lunches and, you know, three-fourths of the bag would be taken up with a slice of bread. <laughs> and the people that we sat with, at, uh, at least me, I mean, I'm a lot older than Jen, would say, where did you ever find that bread? <laughs> what store is that at? Uh, not a store. It's no. Mom. <laughs> this is the good stuff. This is the made with love stuff. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I am officially starving now. We are recording this right before lunch. And now I'm wanting warm soup and some nice bread and butter to oh. fill me up as it is a chilly day right now here in Toronto where I am. So... Thank you for all of this. Thank you guys for sharing your journey and sharing, you know, the highs and lows and and really just the journey of of how you've gotten to where you are right now. And I am so excited to watch you guys grow. 
Thank you so much for sharing the story of Nine Spoon Soup. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, Fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.